Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to explore anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, we don't have a video here in the studio, but Reagan is in a dinosaur uniform today. That's Yoshi. Let's oh, Yoshi. Yoshi. Is that not a dinosaur? I guess he is, I but that's is. a specific kind. <laughs> Yoshi from what? From Mario, from Mar- so from my family, Mario. we're doing okay. Mario Kart theme for Halloween. Uh-huh. Excellent. Yes. And there is breaking news, I believe, on the Gillen family front that yes. we need to talk about. Yes. So Your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a haircut. I did get a haircut. Which is very nice. Yes. It's, all, it's like shoulder length now, right? A little above the shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What prompted that? Uh, my hair was a ratty, ratty <laughs> mess. And... So I am pregnant. Pregnant. So that's a big thing. And my hair sheds a lot when I'm pre- like so much. Usually it happens Whoa. after you give birth. Interesting. And mine just sheds like crazy. So okay. I was like, I got to get rid of this. So there is baby number three on the way. Yes. And you guys are going to go from man to man zone, mm-hmm. which is a, that's the massive leap right there, right? Yeah. I mean, once, you, once you're past three, it doesn't really matter how many you have. Right. But going from two to three yeah. is significant. Yeah. So, uh, the accommodations in your house are going to be adequate. Like yes. You, okay. I mean, we're going to have to combine two of the kids at some point, uh-huh. I think, because we need a guest room because mm-hmm. my family comes, we have so many people come stay with us that we can't really lose a guest room. Casual flex right there. I know. We have well, so many guests all the time. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's usually my parents. So <laughs> excellent. And is it going to be the child you love the most to get to their own room? Uh, it'll probably just be Andy cause she's the <laughs> oldest because she is the, you know, Jude and the baby will be closer. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. All right. Very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So I first have to just give you a hard time in the beginning of your sermon. You talked about this church planting thing you went to and how the guy was very, I don't know. What'd you say? Aggressive, abrasive, abrasive. Yeah. And even a little direct, I don't know, direct, direct. I see. You want me to quote it? Yeah. Let's see. What did I call him? Um, I didn't name him on purpose. He was no nonsense, direct, and I thought a little abrasive. I feel like you're very direct, so I think it was funny that you were like, oh. uh, well, I mean, yeah, I think direct was a generous. Like he was, okay. he was, he, in your face. In your face. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you're not like that, but I've just, the, and, he, you know. and he had, a, he's from Chicago, so he's got this brash, Oh, Chicago yeah. thing going okay. on. And I didn't want to say that in the sermon because I wasn't sure how many people from Chicago were in the pews. And so I, like not everyone from Chicago is brash, but he's like, um, he's like a caricature. Yeah. And, uh, it was so off putting at first, but then once you, once you get to know him, then once you have like one on one conversation yeah. with him, you realize he's, he's really quite gifted. Okay. Uh, and obviously made an impression on me because I still talk about it, you know, 13 years later. Right. I feel like if I would have listened to him, he probably would have made me cry. I don't know. <laughs> if he was like direct for you or like, I don't know. I guess being in the Navy, I just assume like you're like, okay, I can handle anything. But to be like. Oh, yeah. I, I, no. Listen, nobody's ever said anything to make me cry before. Like, I, it just makes me mad. Challenge accepted. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> 
just gonna write that one down. <laughs> All right. My goal, twenty twenty two, make Chris cry. Man, okay. Yeah. Prepare to have your goal disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you you want achievable goals. Stretch goals, but achievable goals. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Money. Money. So you preached on a very difficult text. It is. A, it's a hard one, for sure. So we're still in Mark. Yeah, still in Mark. Did we say we were wrapping up the stewardship series? I don't know. I don't think I said that. Okay. I got distracted by the baby talk. Yeah. So cel- Sunday was Celebration Sunday, which in Christ United Methodist tradition is the Sunday whereby walks forward and gives their pledge card for the coming year of ministry. Long standing tradition here. And a lot of churches do it this way. And so um, sometimes... Like the timing of Celebration Sunday is always a little interesting. Like, do you preach your stewardship sermon? Like, do you preach your best stewardship sermon before a week before mm-hmm. Celebration Sunday, so people can like noodle on it and pray about it and bring it back the next week? Did you week? say noodle on noodle it? on it? Yeah. Okay. Or uh, it's gonna hurt my feelings if you don't like that word. I might cry <laughs> if you don't like that word. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I'm not gonna cry. Um, or do you like it? Really, it needs to be the culmination. So you know our practice that we've had for the past couple of years is to do a three week series. So you're kind of, you know, you're talking about stewardship the whole time. And then this is the, the culmination of that. Yeah. yeah. And it's the last Sunday we're going to be preaching on Mark probably for three years. <laughs> All right. Cause should I, just, should I just rip Mark out of my Bible? <laughs> She's like, I don't well, need that. Uh, yeah. No, no rip it out. I mean, we'll need it three years. Eventually. From now. Okay. Replace your Bible every three years. Okay. Um, okay. So you preached on the rich man. Yeah. And so, if you were to ask, like, not, you'd have to probably be a church goer to at least know this story a little bit. Yeah. It's not as famous. Right. But when you first kind of talk about what do you think is people's impression of this rich man? So should we paraphrase it? Paraphrase the story? Yeah, sure. Do you want to do it? How, do you, how would you paraphrase the story of the rich man? Okay. Um, if I were a rich man. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, so, so this rich man comes and approaches Jesus and this is how I remember it like before you talked about on Sunday right. it kind of changed after Sunday for me it's, and he's not called a rich man oh yeah just it's just the man. title mm-hmm. the man mm-hmm. and says you know I this is me like paraphrasing summarize yeah. you know what do I, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life yes. I do this I he uh, named, well that's a question first and then Jesus yeah. answers him and says you know you do this and is like some basic kind of commandments. The commandments, yeah. Yeah. And then he says, yeah, I do that. He's like, fantastic. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. And he's like, uh, actually, I need you to sell all your things and give to the poor. And then come follow me. And then come follow me. And the man walks away because he's very sad because he has very many yeah. things. So when he heard this, he was shocked. Fair, by the way. Yeah. Shocked. And went away grieving. For he had many possessions. Yeah. So that's how, I don't know. But then there's a, okay, then there's verses that the disciples are like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to pay the bills, Jesus? <laughs> right. And then Jesus says this very famous thing. Which is what? Well, you say it. His famous thing? Yeah, the after... very famous thing. The most famous thing Jesus says. What is, no, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> he, but he says, like, it's hard for rich people to enter the oh. kingdom of God. And then they say, well, then who can be saved? And he says, um, uh, for mortals, it's impossible. This is the mm-hmm. verse I read at the beginning. For mortals, it's impossible, but not, but not for God. Nothing's impossible with God. This is the, the very famous, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle yeah. than for a rich piece, person to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough. And so, do you think, I think before Sunday, 
um, because I noticed new things in the text that I was like, oh, the rich man, he he's not really sold out. Like, I, I think my memory is like, oh, he's kind of not like halfway in, but not. But then when I read it again, I was like, oh, no, he was pretty committed. Yeah. And I kind of missed that. So I yeah. don't know. I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was interesting. This is a very, very fascinating story because he's not. First of all, he does not approach Jesus like an adversary. Right. He calls him good teacher. Mm-hmm. And he, he really has a sincere question. And he's like, I've, I've been keeping the commandments my whole life. Am I missing anything? Is, is the way I read it. Yeah. And Jesus, and it says, uh, it's a great line, and it's in Mark, so we should not overlook this because this is a detail that Mark doesn't tell us very often. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Yes. And said, you lack one thing. Yeah. Go and sell everything you have. I think I totally missed even the way that he approached Jesus because it says a man ran up and knelt before him. Yeah. And asked him, good teacher. I'm like, okay, so he understands who he is. A hundred percent. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Which makes it even more shocking Mm -hmm. that it's the only instance in the gospel where somebody gets this direct call to follow Jesus and doesn't do it. Only instance in the gospels. Yeah. And I don't think I knew that. I guess I just didn't. I didn't. I mean, it was in the commentary. Yeah. So I didn't reread all four gospels to check this guy, but it was in the, it was, it was according to the Harper Collins Bible so commentary. Like, usually checks out pretty good. They're usually right. Yeah. I mean, there are people who don't follow Jesus, of course, and there are people that he makes mad along the way and he's got adversaries. All of that's true, but this is the only time. And this story shows up in a couple of gospels, mm-hmm. like Mark, Matthew, I think Matthew and Luke both, um, do tell a version of the story, but it's the only one where I, a guy who's predisposed to learn from him because he asked him a question. Yeah. Uh, gets a tough answer and doesn't even consider doing it. Yeah. And doesn't respond and refuses the call. Yeah. And it's over money, mm-hmm. which means we probably need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So in the response, in the back and forth, you know, Jesus quotes some law, some of the bits to, to follow. Um, do you think that's what Jesus really cared about? Like, to make sure he was following the law or what do you think? He yeah. Did? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, I, so there, I mean, it's one Jewish guy talking to another Jewish guy in the first mm-hmm. century. And it's all, <laughs> the way I read it because it's Mark and Jesus is grumpy in Mark's gospel. So this guy makes a big show. Good teacher. What am I saying? He's like, ah, you know, the commandments. And he like rattles off a few of me. It's like, so I read it as he's almost annoyed at the beginning. Okay. And then when the guy says, well, I've done all those my whole life. And he's like, oh, thank God. Somebody who gets it. Well, there's just one more thing to do. Right. I mean, I, I almost feel like Jesus is, has a, um, like his emotions shift throughout the narrative. Okay. Which I think is fascinating. So it's like BT dubs. You need to sell all your things. No, no, I, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it, I don't think that's the dismissive part. I think the first part, the dismissive part is where he rattles off the commandments. He's like, you, you know what to do. Why, why are you bothering me? Yeah. I got, I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And then when the guy says he's the rare person who says, well, I actually have kept all those my whole life. Then Jesus is like, okay, great. You are so close. There's this one last thing. Mm-hmm. And I compared it to a, that knee reflex, reflex yes. test. Which I don't know if they do that anymore. That's what my wife said. And I, so maybe it's just for 50 something guys, but they, I feel like I've been, I've had that. Nick is our guest producer today. <laughs> yes. Have you had that? No, I haven't. Do you, well, but you're like 16. Do you, do you, do you go get physicals? <laughs> no. Okay. So when you're at the pediatrician, Nick. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. Nick is a college graduate. Um, what year did you graduate TCU? Last year. Yep. Okay. So he's, he's young. He's, a he's young. young. Yeah. So he hasn't, he hasn't gotten in the habit of like, oh, doc, yep. I got an ache here and yeah, my yeah. throat gets 
you know, <laughs> scratchy certain times of year and my gout's starting to bother me. And yeah. So then they put you up on the table and they did the knee reflex yeah. test. And if you're, so they hit you, your knee on your patellar tendon with this little rubber mallet. Right. And if your knee kicks out, you're good. I mean, they're trying to get a response. Yes. Right. And that's what I think Jesus is doing here. I think it's a spiritual reflex test. Uh-huh. And I think you want to push back on this point that I make. I don't think he really wants them to sell all this stuff and give it to the poor. That's not what he tells Zacchaeus. Okay. The tax collector. Yeah. Right? He doesn't, that's not, that's not the expectation he sets with Zacchaeus. It doesn't show up anywhere else in the gospels where he says that. I mean, we have to give up stuff to follow Jesus, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they walk away from their families and all that. But this is not, he, this guy doesn't want to be a disciple. <laughs> he wants to know what it means to be a, in relationship with God. Like I have a right relationship with God. And I just don't think that, the the standard is selling everything you have and give it to the poor based on the rest of the gospels. So I, I feel like he's saying, well, okay, you think you've done everything. How about, how about on the generosity front? Mm -hmm. Cause remember just a couple chapters later, he's the, the story of the widow's might that we started this whole series with. He doesn't, he doesn't say all oh, those rich people are putting in lots of money, but they need to put in all their money. He didn't say that. True. And, and in fact, and he does not commend the widow for putting in everything she has. He doesn't say that's the standard. So I don't, I really don't think that's what he's looking for, but he wants to know if this guy is generous or if he's attached to his money. Mm -hmm. And I use that. I mean, that's a very Buddhist thing, yeah. but I think, but I think attachments of spiritual attachments are mm -hmm. a, um, a problem. Like Christianity definitely has a lot to say with where your heart is. And so this guy's heart is with his money because he doesn't even consider doing it like he does he doesn't even ask a clarifying question he doesn't he doesn't push back he doesn't he doesn't say tell me more like he just right. says oh well i can't do that yeah walks away hmm. yeah i mean it makes me think that i think for for our you know people nowadays and probably even back then is that people were kind of wanting to check a box okay i did that i did that and then it's like that's why jesus often ask a follow-up question mm -hmm. to right. like, okay, that's great and all, but what about this? <laughs> and it usually requires a great sacrifice and that's really going to challenge them. And that's when I think people get, and that's the same for us too. I think, especially when it comes to, to money, like, mm. yeah, I'll, I'll serve or I'll read, I'll study, but, Oh, you want me to give, I don't know mm. for, and that's the attachment mm. thing. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. It just made me think of, some of the stories of Jesus saying, challenging people to give up things or go do things. But you're right. He doesn't ask Zacchaeus. He doesn't tell all the rich people, give all their stuff. And that he's not really asking him to sell. He's just trying to see, okay, where's, I don't know, where's your worship, your adoration, your attachment, all yeah. of that. Yeah. Well, so in the Sermon on the Mount, the way, the way it talks about it, and this is in... I'm pretty sure this part is in what we call Q. Like this is something that this is material that's shared by Luke and Matthew. I think I have to go back and double check that. But um, the whole where your uh, let's see what in this, how does that phrase go? Where your heart is, it's about it's about this it's the attachment thing. I mean, he says you can't serve God and Mammon. Like you, yeah, you can't serve money and God. Like you, you can't you can't be in love with your money that shows up in the Sermon on the Mount in a, a much more eloquent way. Cause he's, you know, Jesus, <laughs> but in, in, uh, the, the pastorals, the pastoral epistles, and I mentioned this in the sermon, it's not money. That's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And so the point about 
generosity as a spiritual discipline, it's developing that muscle memory, developing that spiritual uh, discipline of not being overly committed to things that are not of God. And we, we are so, I mean, we're Americans in the 21st century. There's, I grew up, I don't know, I don't think they have these t-shirts, t-shirts anymore, but it used to be a thing where like you'd airbrush t-shirts and stuff and t-shirt shops were a huge thing in the eighties. Yeah. And there was one that was always on there. The one with the most, the one who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> I don't know that this, your generation doesn't resonate with that, but that was on like, I, I do remember in, that fa- phrase. Yeah. In the eighties where like greed is good from that uh, Wall Street, from the movie Wall Street. Like that was, the 80s were all about materialism. Yeah. I think we've gotten a little more spiritually healthy about that. But we are way too concerned with bank accounts, size of our house, how many cars, do I have the right car, keeping up with the Joneses, all of that. Mm -hmm. And and the spiritual teaching that Jesus is getting at here is you're missing the boat if that's what your focus is. And so get in the habit now of giving away. (laughs) Yeah. Part of what God has entrusted to you ain't your money. It's the money that God has entrusted to you. Like, let's get our, let's get our ducks in a, in a row here. And, um, <laughs> I, it's not easy, just cards on the table. It's not easy to preach to a wealthy congregation, a text that says, oh man, rich people can't get, can't get, get into the kingdom. Yeah. But that's not what he's saying. <clears throat> he's saying it's hard to, because we get overly attached to our stuff, our wealth, mm-hmm. and so much of our identity, so much, so much of our self worth, gets wrapped up in the size of our four hundred one k or bank account or whatever, and that's that's a spiritual dead end, is the point that he's making. So that the, the the end then the punchline, for mortals it's possible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. That means we've got to let God transform our hearts in all things, but particularly when it comes to our money, because. And, and it's so instructive that this is the only person who walks away from him. And it is over money. It's not over the rigorous spiritual teaching. It's not over the crazy idea that a guy's going to rise from the dead three days after he is crucified. Like, no, it's about a very fundamental thing, our, our bank mm-hmm. account. Yeah. And the last thing that guy said, I, I, I said this in one of the sermons, this brash yeah. person. He says, the last thing to get converted is our wallets. Yep. That's the truth. Uh-huh. Was true for me anyway. Yeah. So, what do you do when people say? Because you've had probably a lot of conversations with people through through your years that say like, "But I work really hard for my money." <laughs> like, what do you? What's your response to that? Well, uh, so it depends on my relationship with them. Okay. But if I just be gut level, speaking the truth and love honest, it ain't your money. It's not. It's something that God has entrusted to you. It's the whole point of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Mm-hmm. So. um, you know, very few Christians actually tithe. And then there's questions about, have we had this conversation already? Do I, do I tithe on pre-tax or after-tax yeah. money? The only number that's not okay is zero. And so what I would encourage people to do is start somewhere and then make it your own spiritual discipline to grow mm-hmm. every year until you get to where we're called to be, which is the tithe. Yeah. Beyond, if, we're, if it's possible, um, and I love, you know, Adam Hamilton, I just got back from Church of the Resurrection. There was a conference up there that we'll be talking about at some point. Uh, but his, he is really to the point on this. Tithing does not mean charitable giving. Tithing means to the church. <laughs> Whatever you give mm-hmm. beyond that is your charitable giving. But tithing is to Christ's church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dang. I know. Should I add that to my membership class? <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> well, 
I, I mean, mean, it is. It church, is one thing that resurrection is a high expectation church. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I, I think this is the we did some work in in senior staff that Brene Brown book, Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. Her thing is clear as kind, right? I mean, setting clear expectations, I think, is really, really important. And um, that's why when it comes to stewardship, I just feel like being direct without being abrasive is very important. Yeah. So you you shared this week, and then you've shared other times about your family's journey um, to get to the point of, of the tithe. And so um, so what did your process take months, years? How did that – because people – I think people think, oh, gosh – how do I get to this point? And I think we need to tell people like sometimes it's it is a journey or it's a process. So yeah. Can you talk about what y'all did to get to your to your point? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. So <laughs> the first thing we did was that I left my job in corporate America and went to seminary, and that mm-hmm. was a well, that was a five figure pay decrease mm-hmm. <laughs> when I joined the church staff from my operations manager job. And so then we had to figure out, okay, right now we're, we're responding to God's call. We got to live on a lot less money. And then, um, it was during that time that we were getting active in the church and we were, uh, when we did the budget, then we would kind of put all like, we were not in the practice of the, of our tithe going first, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. were in the practice of, okay, let's, let's see what all of our expenses are. And we've never really lived all that extravagantly. I mean, you know, uh, fancy cars aren't my thing. No, I'm not judging people who love fancy cars, but that's not my thing. We don't want a big house. I mean, we have, by global standards, we have a huge house, but you know, I mean, we've never lived extravagantly in that way. But I mean, you know, you have all the expenses of life and then from whatever that pot was left over, then we would figure out what portion could go to the church. And I mean, there was a long time where, you know, our dining out budget far exceeded our mm-hmm. giving to the church. And I, I shared a couple years ago during stewardship season, there was a time when my, my Starbucks line item was more than what we were giving to the church. I like fancy coffee. So then the next, like as we were trying to grow in our giving, then we got sent to Henrietta and mm-hmm. Whitney had to stop working. So we had to take this second massive pay cut. Yeah. And I would say that is the point at which it was right after I'd gone to NCLI, we'd sold the house. We we're living in a parsonage. Um, and so that we were, we were making less money than, than we were ever going to make again. Sam had just been born. So Whitney wasn't even going to work part time while we were out there. So, I so mean, you had two kids. We had two kids. Okay. Just, yeah. 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 So Max was born in 06. Um, that was after I joined the church staff. The year that I graduated seminary is when he was born. And then three years later, um, Sam was born. And so we had like, the, it was the full picture at that point. Our family was as big as it was going to get we were at the very low end of our income that it was ever going to be. And I was at a church where I was a senior pastor teaching, I mean, preaching tithing. Mm -hmm. So I can't exactly get up with any kind of integrity and say, everybody needs to be growing in their giving towards the goal of the tithe. If we weren't taking that seriously ourselves. So I would say from that point, Henrietta, it probably took us, um, I mean, a couple of years to get to where, I mean, but that was after, like the first, I joined church staff in, in 06. So it was six years of the, the, oh my God, let's, we have to get serious about money to having our first child, having our second child, taking that second massive pay cut and then readjusting all of our priorities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny, John Rosenberg, who I mentioned in the sermon, when we, when we moved out there, he said, um, 
Now, what, what does Whitney do for a living? Have you ever met Rosenberg? He, he's a good old boy. I mean, he's awesome. John's just a great, great guy. And Connie, his wife, really kind of viewed this as a team, like ministry. And I said, well, she's an engineer, but she's leaving the container store. And she's not going to work for having a second baby. And he's like, oh, you guys are going to eat beans and rice for a few years. Huh? <laughs> it's literally what he said. Yeah. And it certainly felt like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's where we were. But I was preaching and teaching about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was in Henrietta when we uh, did, um, oh, speaking of abrasive, who's the financial guy, uh, Financial Peace University, FPU. I've got quarrels with Dave Ramsey on several things. A lot of but, people do right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but in terms of his process mm-hmm. of how to reorder your financial life, it was effective. I didn't like his parenting advice. Didn't really like his marriage advice, neither of which was necessary for his course. But it's, but in terms of reordering priorities, it was very effective for us. So, um, you know, I anytime that I tell people, anytime I preach and teach about giving, it's not from a place of judgment because we've all been in this. Like, no, I just don't know anybody who starts their life writing their first check to the church. I mean, I guess I know a couple people, but they are a generation, like an older generation. Right began their life and the first check they would write every paycheck is to the church mm-hmm. for our younger listeners. A check is a piece of paper <laughs> that's correlated to your bank account. Yes. So, yeah, but I think that's good to hear that it, it was a process mm-hmm. for you, for y'all mm-hmm. that it does take time, but it's that moving that incremental increase that you're moving towards something. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's an, it's gotta be intentional is mm-hmm. the thing. And it does take discipline. Clearly, you have to sit down and kind of look through. And I think that is good for you to see, okay, where am I actually spending more money here than giving to the church? You know, I think it's, it is, it is, it can be time consuming, but I think it's important work. Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, for us, it was the realization that, like, if you put a $20 bill on the plate and then you go spend 50 bucks at lunch right after church. Right. I mean, that's probably not the order of things. Mm-hmm. So that's hard for people to hear because <laughs> we're not, we don't like to be told what to do with our money. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm using air quotes right now. Yeah. But if your premise, if you're, if you're, if the starting point of this discussion is it's not your money, <laughs> then that reframes everything. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think you make, um, just like with your time, like you make time for what's like really important to you. And so like you will you will make a way if the church is important to you, like you're right. going to make a sacrifice and do without and, and shuffle things um, because the church is important and that's, yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. And I, the other thing I would say though, is it only feels like a sacrifice when you start. Okay. <laughs> right? No, that's good. Yeah. I mean, once it becomes a way of life, then, I mean, if I look back over the past f- 10 years, say, and tallied up all the money we've given to the church, either over the course of a year or, like if you add the capital campaign that we did in Sherman and you do all the other stuff you do around the church, you know, every, I mean, all the fundraisers and all that. Yeah. That's not a good financial decision mm-hmm. in terms of financial planning, but I mean, our, but I don't worry. I'm not worried about money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like it. We're fine. Like, mm-hmm. We're not just fine. We're incredibly blessed. And, um, yeah, I mean, we write a, a big check to the church. Uh, like our pledge card's a pretty big number, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't really cross my mind anymore what else we could be doing with that money because mm-hmm. I don't view it as ours to begin with. Yeah. 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 I think especially if you do like a direct 
it just automatically goes to the church. Like you really learn, like you don't depend on that money or you just, you don't even, it's kind of like a gym membership where you, right. even if you're not going, like you don't even notice that, <laughs> you know, cause you're like, well, I know it's not there. Um, you just kind of, it, it's amazing what you can do without mm-hmm. and still be okay. Not just okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, what we're teaching the boys is you give 10 and you save 10%. Mm-hmm. And you live on 80. And if you can't live on 80, you probably need to adjust some things. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So how do you let someone know how to determine if they're actually being gen- like generous? You think? <laughs> well, I don't. So give me a scenario because I don't really. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I think people ask, well, like, well, how much should I give? Do you mm-hmm. always just say 10%? Tithe. Yeah. You should be growing. I mean, tithing is the goal. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning and the end of that conversation. Okay. Very few people are there. And so start, mm-hmm. I don't know, a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. I don't know. Um, how, how much do you, what's your weekly coffee budget? You know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to attack that, but, um, I mean, ultimately it's not my business. It's their business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm super clear on what the expectation is. And, um, you know, I, I think, that if, if someone, if someone is not contributing at all financially to the church, that is a spiritual problem. I mean, the point of the sermon is that if, if you're nowhere with your generosity, that is in fact a spiritual malady and it would be pastoral malpractice for me not to say that. And I mean, it's not me. This is not, this is not my opinion. This is Jesus and 2000 years of tradition, well, longer than that, but 2000 years of Christian tradition. So I think the point is to start somewhere and then just be intentional about it. And, um, as long as you're doing that, then you are making it a spiritual discipline. And in that way, God transforms our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, we're, but you talk about you, like how, what do you, how do you guys do it? Or what was your journey? Um, so we definitely, I mean, I'm going to be really honest. So when we were both in seminary at the same time, we, we had a lot of scholarships and grants and stuff, but then we paid the rest like out of our pocket and our bank account got real scary low, <laughs> like frightening, like a thousand dollars. Like that's all we had to our name. Um, and I think our giving like really almost stopped almost completely. Like I'm just going to be honest. Um, and then I think once we, Scott got commissioned, we got out of school and then we had our, we had our daughter, my, our last year of seminary. Um, we were really leading a service at Lover's Lane and like, and my husband really loves to talk about generosity and, and raising money. And he's like, Reagan, like kind of like you, that moment of like, we cannot ask people to do things if we're not doing it. And so we pretty quickly went to like the 10% and it was in hindsight, we probably should have worked our way to it a little <laughs> bit slower. Um, cause it was. I will say it was, it got kind of scary again because we were, we were giving a lot. Um, but now we just, you know, it's a priority, especially Scott's leading a church. He's like, yeah, it's non negotiable. <laughs> and so, um, it is a little tricky being two church, two churches with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, our big thing is like, we can't, we can't ask people to do things if we're not actually doing it. So it is hard, you know, kids and then, um, you know, I was just, I was kind of Googling things and I was trying to send you questions to like, you know, I understand that people, most people don't have a lot of savings. And you, you talked about John Wesley's like, earn all you can. 
um, save all you can, give all you can, and how it is a, it is a struggle. A lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, um, but I do think if there's any way we can give, like you said, start somewhere, mm-hmm. it's important. But I I recognize that it's it's hard. <laughs> there's you know and you've got kids and houses and mortgages and all that and car repairs. It's 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 difficult. But I think um, you won't. I don't think you'll regret it, and I don't think you'll necessarily miss the money. I mean, you always find ways, and I don't ever <laughs> want to be like, well, if you give, you'll get blessed back. Like that's like prosperity gospel yeah, prosperity stuff. Gospel, <clears throat> but there is a sense of like, some things just really work out. They have a way of working out. I mean, listen, three years in Henrietta, and it, we were fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we. It was, it, it, I just, I, um, I think it's scarier for people than it needs to be because of our attachment to our money. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is the point that's, that Jesus is trying to make. There's no reason for that young man to not at least ask a follow-up question in the scripture passage. None. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he just goes awake sad is uh, revealing. Mm-hmm. And it's, re- it's revealing about a fundamental, like the fundamental problem of the human condition and it shows up in different ways, but the fundamental problem is selfishness. It always is. <laughs> and so the thing that we cling to most tightly too often is, is that financial thing. And so, you know, I, there's a reason that he is so blunt in this, in this passage because yeah. it's a, it's a, the struggle is real <laughs> mm-hmm. as the kids are saying. I think that's what the kids are saying. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're Kinda, saying? Nick? Might be old. Yeah. What's Nick you use saying? Use that phrase. I do not. <laughs> Dang I might it. Might be a little bit younger. Oh, Chris. Oh. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Maybe it's your generation. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Struggle's real. Um, so in the passage, I just, you know, he says that Jesus looked at him and loved him, mm-hmm. and he walks away and he doesn't choose. Do you think Jesus changed his mind about him? Do you think he still loved him? Oh yeah 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 yeah. No, no, right. There's no question about that. Yeah. Correct. I just <laughs> I think. I think that's just something important to point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah. I, <laughs> that's a we're we're Methodist first, right? So mm-hmm. we start and end with grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jesus, but he's not. Of course, Jesus still loves him, and he's not doing what Jesus calls him to do. Mm-hmm. Both things can be true. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're wrapping this up. So uh, I think we should talk about John Wesley. Okay. So earn all you can. Yeah. We've never had a problem with that. Mm-mm. Save all you can. He didn't mean give 10% to your 401k. Although that's absolutely what we're teaching our kids to do. Mm-hmm. It's important. He meant live as cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. And he was, he would have been insufferable to talk about this. Right. I mean, he did like, he believed that you should only use one lump of sugar in your tea instead of two. He yeah. thought you should only have two shirts. I mean, he, and it was so that you could give all of the rest of it away. <laughs> what do you think John Wesley would think of Amazon? Just think. Oh, John Wesley, <laughs> he, oh my gosh. He, By I'm now. I'm telling you, he would be impossible <laughs> to be around. And he definitely not could not serve a church in Plano because <laughs> no. they would have run him out of town. Yeah. Because he's, he's just so grumpy about this all the time. And at the end of his life, have you ever read some of his, his late sermons? His late? Uh, I mean, I've read them, but I don't know like the order, so I don't like, know. The use of money? Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. You could never preach that sermon. It's so judgy, mm-hmm. which is ironic because he was all about grace. But it's it. But I think 
that same uh, advice re like reinterpreted for our current context is really, really helpful. Be industrious work for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. the Protestant work ethic and, you know, is a famous thing in American history. That's good. Save, you know, we don't like that's important. You have mm -hmm. to plan for your financial future, but then, but then give, I just, but it's not, he didn't intend it the way <laughs> we would think about it automatically. Yeah. I could, I'm just picturing him like back in the day, if people, if he did like a receiving line, like at the end of his sermon and be like, Oh, Nancy, I see those are new shoes. <laughs> Where'd you get those? Right, exactly. You know, like he'd be, love the diamond ring. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. Not interesting. Did you see the hungry kids over there? Do you know anything we could do to maybe, Oh my gosh. And if he looked at my bill for the coffee that I ordered online, he'd be like, Oh geez. And you're a preacher. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he would be pretty insufferable. Very grumpy. Okay, so as we wrap up stewardship, and you know, people have are still pledging. You can still pledge if you haven't. Um, what are you excited about for twenty twenty two? You think for the church? You know, um, I'm excited for. There's a whole. There's a long list of things, but we're you know we've got a young adult task force we put together that we're trying to dream about what what our ministries could look like intentionally for the 20 somethings. Um, the church does a terrific job from the time families have babies until, you know, we graduate to the columbarium. Like mm -hmm. that's our wheelhouse. But sometimes the young adult folks are, we expect them to kind of fit into our mode. Mm -hmm. So uh, exploring that, uh, which I expect will come to some fruition in 2022. We've got the brand new online ministry that we're doing with Paige that is really important in the post COVID world. I don't know what percentage it's going to end up being in house versus online, but it's going to be a lot higher than it was before the pandemic. And so we're doing some pioneering things there. Um, I think that the uh, emerging from the pandemic as, as strong as we have to this point gives us a strong foundation to continue to grow in our serving others ministries. And then right around the corner is our 50th anniversary. And we've got some, some stuff that we're dreaming about for that. So uh, 2020, 2022, I think is going to be a terrific year. And I'm, uh, I, I'm just excited that we all get to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the biggest thing on your calendar in 2022 is what? Uh, let's see. Let me think. Uh, oh, having a baby. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was like a movie series coming out. Yeah. But no. Coming yep. back full circle. Yeah. Um, do you think people, you're not actually naming the baby Gilly. No, that's just what we've always referred to our babies that okay. that I'm growing, baby Gilly. Yeah, baby Gilly. And are you going to determine the gender of this child? Before? Yes, this is our first time finding out, okay. and we're going to. Yes, and you've already started talking about names, I assume. Yes. And Chris is probably on there. Totally number one. <laughs> okay, and it was a girl, Christina. Yeah. Like yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Nicholas is a great name. It is. Except that's my high school boyfriend. Can't do that. Sorry. Oh, swing and a miss. <laughs> swing and a miss. Rupert. Rupert. That's our... Um, Hermione. Rupert is our inflatable grand, uh, reaper in our front yard. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> because Andy's like, bye, Rupert, one day. And we're like, it's Rupert. And that's like, not what he tells me his name is. <laughs> but then she's like, oh, she thought it was Rupert. So now we just call it Rupert. <laughs> All right. As long as the reaper's not talking to her. No. Okay. No. <laughs> we'll do a special Halloween episode. Of this. Yeah. All right, y'all. So let's see. This time next week. Uh, our next sermon is on Halloween, so we're going to do a thing about fear, fear not, which I'm excited about. And then it's turning our attention to Thanksgiving and Christmas, which, as you know, best time of the year. That's right. So 
God bless y'all. We really appreciate you spending some time with us, and we will be back next week with another episode of Offscript. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.